0: Well, it's good to see you this evening. Let's take our Bibles and once again turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're coming down the whole stretch. We have uh, one more lesson in this psalm, uh, the Lord willing, next week. And uh, we're praying about, uh pastor has asked me if I'd continue the Wednesday night service, so we're going to see uh, what uh, he would have us to, to study next. But um, in our previous lessons, we saw in verses 1 through 3 that the sheep has been boasting uh, about His wonderful shepherd. Notice, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, uh, in in, in verse 4, when we get to verse 4, we notice that there's a change of perspective, and instead of boasting about the shepherd, the sheep begins to talk directly to the shepherd. Notice, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. In verse 3, we saw the calm course taken. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we saw here that there was calmness uh, that shows no fear of the unknown or unseen. And then we want you to remember that this uh, this valley is not really the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. And you recall that we said that shadows can't hurt you. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a literal place called Valley of the, the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Is that I-80? Huh? I-80? Uh, no, it wasn't I-80, no, or, or I-25. This picture was taken by Roger Fenton, a photographer, on April the 23rd, 1855. And it was taken during the Crimean War where the British, the French, the Sardinia, and the Ottoman empires fought against the Russian Russian empires. And uh, this place was named by the British soldiers for being under constant shelling. And if you notice, you look real carefully, you'll see cannonballs up on the hillsides, everywhere in the road and down the gullies there. And the British soldiers call that the Valley of the Shadow of Death. There was so much death there. Can you imagine being there with all those cannonballs falling all around you? Now, the valley of the shadow of death is really uh, the valley of deep darkness. In essence, David was saying, even when I must walk through the darkest valley, and he was thinking of the fearful experiences he had gone through and how his shepherd had led him through those valleys of deep darkness. And likewise, he will lead us when we must pass, walk or walk through, not run, not jump, but walk through the darkest valleys. And not only do we (coughs) (coughs) see the calm course taken, but also the confidence of the sheep. The sheep said, I will fear no evil. And of course, there were dangers that lurked in the dark valleys. Uh, the sheep was walked through. There were many predators, um, such as lions, bears, wolves, vultures, robbers, all waiting to attack them. However, the sheep had no fear because they had divine companionship. Notice he says, For thou art with me, in verse 4. And the sheep knew that their shepherd would walk together with them, and lead them through the valleys. And uh, that's one thing, Doug, that we can always count on, that the Lord will be there regardless of what we're going through. Amen? He's there to walk us through those valleys. Um, Finally, we we see divine comfort. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Not only was the shepherd their guide, but he uh, also had some special equipment to protect them to protect the sheep when they were going through those valleys of deep darkness. The shepherd had, first of all, remember he had a club or a rod, all right, which was a symbol of his defending power. And he used it to strike down the wild beasts, the robbers, and, and other adversaries as he led the sheep through the valleys. The shepherd's rod was also his symbol of authority, and it was an extension of his right hand. And the rod symbolizes the word of God, which provides protection and comfort and it is true God's word is true it is authoritative it, it, it is it corrects uh, the most it is the uh, the most powerful weapon in dealing with sin and with error and you recall that Jesus used the scriptures when he was um, I think Al mentioned this maybe during the Sunday morning class I can't recall that uh, Jesus used the scriptures when he when he confronted Satan the shepherd also had not only a club but he had a crook that, was, that is a staff which represented the tender guidance of the shepherd and he, he was, uh, it was also a symbol of the concern of his counsel his compassion that he had for his sheep and the staff is symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God as he confronts us you know he not only confronts us but he convicts us he challenges us and uh, he changes us sometimes he has to chastise us and then he corrects us and finally he comforts us and i'm glad that we have the precious holy spirit in dwelling within within us both the rod and the staff provided protection and correction for the sheep which in turn brought comfort to them now we now come to verse five okay and in verse 5 he says, and he, again, remember, now he's speaking to the shepherd. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. So here's what we see. We see the great shepherd, and here in verse 5, he prepares for his sheep. Alright? And by that we see divine providence. Um, do, do you know what providence means? What the word providence is? Providence refers to God's guidance. It refers to his care, his help. And uh, uh, how, many, how many of you have heard of providence? A place called Providence. Where? Rhode Island. Uh, it's the capital, I believe, of Rhode Island. Okay. And it was founded by Roger Williams, who was a Baptist, in 1636. And it was one of the first cities established in the United States. And he named the city in honor of God's merciful providence, for God's care and for his help. So, in verse 4, the shepherd uh, protects his sheep, and now in verse 5, he prepares for his sheep. He has taken them through the dark valley, And now they are on the hillside going up the mountain. And I want you to notice, first of all, that He is our great provider. He is our great provider. Has God ever provided for you? Sure He has. Every day. The very air that we breathe. And it is good to be able to breathe, isn't it? Yeah, I've had to use my oxygen several times this week again. But I'm thankful that He's given me the uh, ability to speak this evening and pray for me if you would, that I'll be able to finish this lesson. Anyway, um, He has taken them uh, through the dark valley. And now they're on the hillside going up the mountain. So, He's our great provider. He says, Thou... Preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, somehow, think about this. Thou preparest a table. Uh, well, regardless of what version you're using tonight, it says that, doesn't it? Table mentions the table. Okay. Somehow, sheep and tables don't go together. Do they? No. So, so what is the table the shepherd prepares for his sheep? You know, so often we read the Scriptures and we just kind of, we read over it and, and we never give thought to, what is this actually saying? Some commentaries say it refers to a royal banquet set on tables that the king would provide for his conquering soldiers while the defeated chained enemies could only look on as the feast was spread before them. Others say it's a high summer range. A flat plateau on the top of the mountains where grass grows in the summer. Now, what do we call those flat plateaus? We have them here in Cheyenne as you start going up towards, what is it, Chugwater, and all that. What do we call those high plateaus? Mesa. Huh? Mesa. We use the Spanish name for tables, mesas. That's what they're called. And... Uh, you know, previously we learned how the shepherd led his sheep through green pastures and uh, then along the still quiet waters and up through the dark mountain valleys. And now he leads them up to the high tablelands of summer. And our great shepherd goes before us in every situation preparing the way in which he leads, in which he guides and provides for his sheep. Now the Hebrew word for table... Here's what I'm saying, you know, when you study the scriptures, you want to know what words mean. The Hebrew word for table actually means a meal. Ah, interesting, isn't it? Yes, yes, brother, that's clear, it's interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, It means a meal. And the shepherd provides a banquet for the sheep in the most unlikely place. He prepares it in the presence of their enemies. One author said this, quote, the shepherd bids the sheep eat and he holds the enemy at bay. It is a banquet with the enemies looking on, licking their chops, but unable to act under the watchful eye of the good shepherd. And although the wild animals are around, the sheep can graze safely because the shepherd is in their presence. And notice in verse four again, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, you know how often, um, how often the enemies of Israel would speak against their God, and they would say something like we find in Psalm seventy-eight verse nineteen, and they would question God would, or the Israelites: Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And he mentions that several times. Can God really provide food for his people? For his people, and we say yes. yes. Amen. Yes, he can. You know, um, I read. I read about a little girl who had been disobedient to her parents, and uh, as her punishment, she was not allowed to sit at the dinner table with them, with the rest of the family, and instead she had to sit by herself at another table. And as she sat alone, and in a moment of quietness, she was heard to pray, "I thank Thee, Jesus." for preparing a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. That's cute, isn't it? Well, the shepherd prepares the table in the sight of and in spite of the enemies of the sheep. Another author said, David is referring to the rich provision which the Lord makes for his children. He feeds them on heavenly dainties as they travel through this world. They have sources of joy that the world does not have. They feed on the living bread and drink the living water and their hearts are satisfied. And how true that is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because He's my divine provider. And He's yours if He's your shepherd. Amen? He provides. And and the greatest need that we have that He provides is what? Our salvation. Our salvation. Alright? Now then, let's look. Secondly, we see divine providence here. And what we see next is He is not only our divine provider, but He is our great physician. Physician. He is our great physician. physician. Thou anointest my head with oil. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but along with His rod and staff, the shepherd would carry a bottle of oil to put on the sheep's head as a repellent from insects, especially flies. One author said this, quote, summertime is fly time. Only those who have kept livestock or studied wildlife habits are aware of the serious problems for animals presented by insects in the summer. Anybody ever have animals that you raise? What, you, what was it, Doug? Um, raised calf. Calf? Chicken. Chickens? Ducks. Ducks? Yep. Flies were always present. Always present. Always present. He says, to name just a few parasites that trouble the stock and make their lives a misery, there are, and I didn't realize there were this many different flies in the world. Listen, warble flies, bot flies, Heel flies, nose flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and other minute winged parasites that multiply at this time of year. So, you ever watch videos of animals and whatever they are and there's flies all over them? It's got to be horrible. Their attacks on animals can readily turn the golden summer months into a time of torture for sheep. And drive them almost to distraction. Well, the oil that he carried was used well well, first of all, it, it, it was olive oil, okay, with sulfur and, and spices. And it was refreshing, soothing, um, freed the sheep from the irritation caused by the flies, allowing them to graze in peace, without distractions. And some shepherds used a combination of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar. One commentator again said that before allowing his sheep to enter a field, the shepherd would walk up and down inspecting for holes where vipers, uh, little brown snakes, could pop out and bite the sheep's nose, poisoning them and causing death. The shepherd would take some oil, he would pour it around the small holes, and if the vipers tried to come out, they would, couldn't pass because they, they were slippery with that oil, and they would slip back down, thus protecting the sheep from snake bites, all right? And uh, plus the smell of the oil on the sheep's head would drive them away. Not only is summertime fly time for the sheep, it's also scab time. Scab is an irritating and highly contagious disease, common among sheep all over the world. Scab is most commonly found around the sheep's head. So, the shepherd would also use the oil for scab and other medicinal purposes such as cuts and bruises and to keep them from getting sunstroke. Philip Keller, I've quoted him a lot during this series. Uh, He was a shepherd himself and he said, quote, in the Old Testament, when it was declared that the sacrificial lambs Would be without blemish. The thought uppermost in the writer's mind was that the animal should be free of scab. In a very real and direct sense, scab is significant of contamination, of sin, and of evil. So, in the Christian life, there's a battle raging. And what is that battle raging for? our minds, for our minds. And every day we're being contaminated by the world's ungodly philosophy and by sin and, of course, by Satan. Daily we are exposed to the filth of this world. And our thought patterns are affected by the tendency to violence, hatred, prejudice, greed, cynicism, and disrespect for that which is noble. And fine and pure and lovely. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 8, this is the reason he said this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Then we need to also remember Always be on guard and remember what Paul said uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, what can we learn from this verse? Well, oil in the Bible is also a symbol and the type of what? The Holy Spirit. And you know, as the shepherd poured the oil on the sheep's head to alleviate the pesky parasites, say that five times pesky parasites. Anyway, even so, God's Holy Spirit in the Christian's life counteracts the ever present aggravations that we, can, that we encounter through this life's journey. And as the shepherd surrounds the, shepherd, uh, the, the serpent's hole with oil, even so the Lord has surrounded us with His Holy Spirit. And the serpent, Satan, cannot touch us. Couldn't touch Job either until he got permission, right? By the way, the shepherd knew that one anointing of oil was not enough. And as the sheep had to have renewed application of oil... So do Christians need the daily anointing of God's gracious spirit upon our minds and our hearts, which produces joy, contentment, love, patience, gentleness and peace. John 1 227 listen god's anointing will teach us, but the anointing which we have ye have received of him abideth in you, the Holy Spirit, and ye need not. That any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he's my divine physician, and yours. Has he ever healed you? I'm sure we all have had his healing touch. Amen. And then finally, let's look at the last thing. And this one here will probably uh, puzzle you. What is that word? God is our great what? Plethora. Plethora. How many of you have used that word before? Anybody here? Uh, like in like today? Did you use it today? Uh, this last year? Huh? Do it's what? Hourly. hourly. Oh. Every, all day long. All day long. Oh, yes, he is our great plethora. And that word plethora means an amount or supply more than sufficient to meet one's needs. And isn't that what Jesus is, our great shepherd? He is more than what we need. And and you know what? He says, my cup runneth over. And so here here is an acknowledgement of the abundant Christian life. David was describing the fullness of joy, peace, and uh, 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 provision that was his because of the Lord's goodness and grace to him. Now, you notice the picture here? My cup runs over. So when you think of a cup, what comes to your mind? A cup, right? Well, that's not what a cup in the Bible was. The cup was a hollowed-out stone trough... Uh, that was located by uh, many of the wells and the springs, and it was scattered throughout the Judean wilderness. And the shepherd would fill them up, and he would continue to pour water into the cup until it was running over. Okay? And all his sheep had drunk, and they were refreshed. Also, a cup in the Bible is sometimes used to mean life. And likewise, in a wonderful way, our cup of life... Overflows as our shepherd provides an abundance of blessings and benefits every day. Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And God's provision for life is poured out from an overflowing cup. The sheep have a life running over with good things that the shepherd provides. You know, the children's chorus, I don't know if you you, you know it. Uh, Anybody ever sing this song? Do you remember that one, Violet? Alright. Sing it, Mel. Running Running over, over. running over. My My cup is full and running running over. over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My cup is full and running over. Now in England, they sing, My cup is full and so is my saucer. I know what that means. Just Melody knows what it means then, and Mark. You know what it means? Yeah. The tea runs over into the saucer, and that's the way it is with our blessings. God's blessings. Uh, uh, our great, he provides for us, our great shepherd provides for us an abundant life that's overflowing with his benefits. And that's what he said in John 10.10. 10, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, running over. The Lord's life is poured into my life and yours if you're saved. And our cup overflows because our life runs over with His life. And this is what David is saying here, what the sheep is saying. So I want to ask you tonight, is your cup running over? If Jesus Christ is your Savior, if He is your great shepherd, then every day your cup and mine is really running over. We can't begin to count, Brother Doug, what God has done for us. We We can't begin to count the blessings our daily blessings so uh, amen i trust that uh, that I encourage you and thank him every day for all of his blessings let's pray